2020, and boy, are we in the middle of some incredible opportunities for growth. Align with Lina is all about giving you um, examples of ordinary people who just like me, just like you, just like my, my guest today, David McLeod, a dear friend, is going to share how it is that we have come into alignment with our own sovereignty, our own inner source of power, regardless of what you want to call it, source, spirit, God, Buddha, Barbara, Bambi, it does not matter what you call it. It is your source of infinite power. So today I am so thrilled to have you witness the, the conversation that is going to emerge organically between David and I about what it is that we need to do to claim that power. And it has to do with acknowledging our, our feminine and our masculine energies. This is going to be a very powerful conversation. If you are squirmish about recognizing how powerful you are, you may not want to watch this. But if you're ready to claim your power, please join me in having this conversation with my dear friend. Oh, my gosh, David, I'm so happy to have you here today. Well, thank you, Lina. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, you and I have had many, many, many wonderful conversations in the past. And I only wish we lived closer together so I could actually get to be in, in person with you. But here we are. We would and, hang out. We would we would hang out a lot together because I feel yep. the same way about you, my friend. Yeah, yeah. And I and I I just really loved what you said about if you're squeamish about owning your own power, then you might not want to watch this. I would encourage people, even if they are squeamish, to watch it because this is part of the problem that I see in our world today is people are abdicating their true power, their true sovereignty. Yeah. And this is something that I did for you know, probably the first 40 years of my life without without realizing it. Yeah. So let, let's start there, uh, because that is where where we start every conversation is when did you realize that something was off and you you felt, you know, that you weren't living your authentic self when what, what was going on in your life when that began to stir inside of you? I was uh, I was married. I have I had I had and still have three kids. I was living in Edmonton, Alberta. I was probably, I don't know how old I was, 38, 39 years old, something like that. And I had just come to the point where I realized that I was, I was, not, I was not happy with my life. In fact, I, I was angry a lot of the time. And that anger was starting to spill out and, and hurt other people in my life. Mm -hmm. And I became aware of this. And then I started... You know, I had no idea where this had all come from. And um, but I knew I, I it was reaching a point where I was just so miserable in my life that I just I had to do something. Yeah. And, you know, I tried all the traditional approaches. I went to my church. I went to my uh, to my friends. I, uh, I, I I I tried everything I could think of. I even went to a psychiatrist or psychologist, I guess. And the the message I was getting wasn't really helping. <laughs> you know, in the case of my church, of course, everything I was supposed to give it up to Jesus and let Jesus solve the problem for me. And I thought, well, that's wonderful. And I've been living a life of, of religion and I've been a born again Christian for all these years. I said, but that's not been helping. <laughs> Something is missing. Something yeah. is missing. And, um, you know, my friends, they, they really weren't much help because they were, a lot of them were going through exactly the same problems I was. Yeah. And they didn't know any anything about how to deal with it either. So this kind of situation, uh, it just got to the point where I thought, I, I got to get out of here. I can't do this anymore. 
And that's a universal disempowered, angry, you know, male in, in, yeah. in a man's role as father, provider, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. yeah. So here you are, you and your friends are feeling the camaraderie. <laughs> yeah. If you could call it that we were definitely, it was more like misery loves company than, than <laughs> camaraderie. Yeah. But yes, I, you know, I know what you're talking about. Um, we all seem to be in it together and nobody really was able to help anybody. And, and frankly, I think this is something that I've learned ever since is that people tend to resist change. That is to say, it's not so much they resist change as they're afraid of the unknown that change might bring. I think that's exactly. probably more accurate. Exactly. And, and you know what I discovered as, as I, so here, here's, here's, let me just go, go a little bit further on my, on my story. I, and by the way, all of this is laid out in detail in my book, A Life to Die For, Master 10 Key Skills to Transform Your Life into a Priceless Treasure. I encourage you to pick it up. It's, it's actually a very good book. Uh, and I'm not just saying that because I wrote it. But and you're an awesome writer, so I know it's going to be it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I, I, I left my family. Now, this might seem like an extreme thing to do and maybe even cowardly to some people. And I certainly can resonate with a certain aspect of the running away coward kind of energy that I was carrying. But really, the, what was behind that was my fear that if I stayed, I was going to actually do damage to my kids. Yeah, that was what was really driving me. And since no one was able to help me, I just I left. So I ended up coming down to California. And when I got to California, I was put in touch with all kinds of amazing um, gurus, teachers, um, workshop trainers and all this. And slowly I started becoming aware of what was happening to me, of how I was showing up and the kinds of things that were uh, were going on. And in that process, I was then able to do some retroactive search and discovered that all of this started back when I was three years old. Always and, goes back to childhood. Yeah, well, it probably started before that, but the, the, the first, the earliest conscious memory I have of yeah. something yeah. that triggered me into this way of being was having my mother tell me when she was upset with me when I was three years old, um, I don't know what I was doing. You know, what, what do kids do when they're three? You know, Play. But, you know, she had me up on the changing table and she was saying things like, I'm your mother. You're supposed to listen to me, listen to me. And, and, you know, I, and, and so on. And then she just looked me right in the eye and she said, I know you better than you know yourself. Mm -hmm. Wow. And there was something about that statement, the way she said it, that it just kind of landed and it settled and it became true for me. And the moment I accepted that as truth, what I was yeah. basically saying was, well, if you know me better than I know myself, then daddy knows me better than I know myself. Mm -hmm. And before I knew it, pretty much everybody knew me better yeah. than I knew myself. Wife and knows that, you better, bossy knows you better. Exactly. You know? The minister, the policeman, yeah. the teacher, everybody. Yeah. And now the secondary thing that started happening as a result of that was, I guess in my own mind, I didn't, I don't remember the consciously making this choice, but somewhere along the way, I thought, well, if you know me better than I know myself, then you know my needs better than I do. Exactly. And so therefore I'm going to depend on you to fulfill all my needs. Yep. And so that's kind of how all my relationships developed over the years. Yeah. You know, yeah. I would never say, oh, I want to go to a movie or something. I'd say, well, what do you want to do? Yep. I became a people pleaser. But do we have the same mother? <laughs> 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 no, 
Well, I think yes, in a way we did. Yeah, you know, we did. in a way we did not obviously the same. Yeah, not the same. Right, right. Yeah. So so that's how it kind of went for me. And you know, I did all the things that I was supposed to do in order to have a happy life. You yeah. know, I went to school, I got good grades, I wanted to be a rock and roll musician, but naturally my mom didn't like that idea so much. So of course I capitulated. Yes. And I became a fighter pilot in the Canadian Air Force instead because I thought that would please them. Yes. Turns out I was wrong about that too. But anyway, <laughs> it turned out, you know, that what I but what I learned in that process was there's no pleasing anybody. Yeah. So there's no point in trying. Absolutely. Yeah. But in that process, I gave myself up. And over the course of years, I just got angrier and angrier and angrier, especially because I was able to see some people in my life who who chose not to fall into that. They chose to assert themselves. And I was really angry because how can they do that? Yeah. So you selfish know? of them. <laughs> how selfish. Exactly. And yet there was a part of me that just wanted to be like that. Exactly. And I think so, you know, as I said, when the, when, the, when I, when it came up to my, when I was about 40 and I decided to leave at that point, I didn't know what was going on. It wasn't until years later when I'd done all kinds of personal growth work yeah. that I came to understand this. Yeah. So my journey was one of, first of all, disowning myself mm -hmm. and then reaching a point that, I understood that by disowning myself, I was I was actually doing the world a greater disservice than by showing up as who I really am. Yeah. yeah. And so that's where I am today. I I've reached a point now, and it, you know, sometimes I still, you know, have this thought, oh, what's that person gonna think of me? But I don't even worry about it anymore. I stop myself. You've been you know? healed. Yeah, that's right. Well, I, I don't know if I've gone that far yet. I mean, I, let's All just right. say I am healing. <laughs> yes, that is powerful. That is so powerful. So yeah. uh, for for those who are watching this and don't feel that they're quite at that place of not, not being so concerned about what other people think, let, let's give people some hope. How many years did it take you to get there? Because for me on my journey, the not caring what other people thought of, of me began to happen in in about year five of, of me starting my spiritual journey and it did not become my truth the platform that i stood on for almost 10 years on my journey yeah uh, that, that definitely resonates for me yeah you know um i mean i'm 67 years old now so i've been around the block a few times and uh, i have learned a lot and i think in all fairness to parents everywhere I'm, I don't believe that any parent deliberately tries to shut down their kids or, no. I mean, there might be a few out there that are, who are kind of psychopathic or whatever, but I think mostly parents love their kids and want their kids to grow up and just be amazing beings. I yeah. honestly believe that's true. Totally. I totally believe that as well. In, yeah. in my 13, 14 years as a teacher, as a coach, that that is one of the most important things that has to be stressed to everybody who is healing because if if you don't get to the place that you can forgive them for you know they they, they only knew what they knew that's right if you don't get to that place of forgiving them you cannot claim your power because while we're blaming we are saying you have my power you did this to me and you cannot empower yourself while another one disempowered you it's just not possible 
So the mind has to be readjusted, recalibrated to that level of, of permission that other people made mistakes because if they didn't make mistakes, you cannot, you cannot heal the mistakes that you made because that is, and yes, as, as Diane is saying, that's a brave breakthrough um, to, to come to the place of, of reclaiming your power, reclaiming your voice and, and um, moving beyond what people think because it is about what we think. That, that's what this whole journey leads us to realize that we're so much more powerful than we have been taught we are by people who did not know how powerful they were. They yeah. were exercising force that yeah. they thought what all comes from, from conditional love. They thought that they were doing the right thing for us. So thank you for, for bringing that in. But with you, one of the things that I love about you, David, is ever since we met and we met in San Diego, what was that like 2000 and maybe I think 2011 or 12 somewhere in there well, yeah somewhere around there and we were we were both um speaking at an event uh that that was so wonderful so I got to meet you as as somebody who is an expert you know in your in your field you had reached the level of expertise as, as had I and our passion was to help people and right some of the things that we have talked over the years is the importance of doing the work that has us reclaim our, our, as a man, connect with your divine feminine, as a woman, connect with my divine masculine. And I would love to use some of this time to talk about that because that is so crucial, not only with, with claiming our sovereignty, but if you don't acknowledge that aspect within we operate at a disadvantage and we will never ever ever stand in our own power because we're going to be operating for me not claiming my divine masculine had me be a very aggressive woman i mean talk about the bitch and that that affected so many relationships and the bitch was compensating overcompensating for not understanding what the divine masculine energy that was inside of me is all about mm -hmm. because you had your mom who imprinted a, a sense of self in you. I had a dad when my dad left and abandoned our family. I was 10 years old. I was like, all right, no man is ever going to do this to me again. I will never be abandoned by a man. And I took on not knowing I had a, a healthy masculine energy inside of me. I took on this, this aggressiveness that didn't serve, well, it served me to set up all the lessons that I needed to learn. It served to set up all the hurdles that I had to jump through on my healing journey. But let's talk about that with you. How, what role did that divine feminine and masculine played in your journey? Wow, that is a huge topic. It is a huge it really topic. Is. You have to do part two and three and four and five. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, <clears throat> wow. Uh, well, I don't even know where to start, to be honest with you. But I think if we can, maybe before I bring it down to a personal level, we can talk a little bit about, about the idea of masculine versus feminine. Perfect. Um, I, think, I think what people misunderstand is that masculine does not mean male and feminine does not mean female. Female, people of the female gender tend to embody a lot more feminine energy than masculine people do, but that's not a requirement. And similarly, 
males tend to engender the masculine energy more than they engender the, the, the feminine energy. But again, that doesn't have to be the case. Yeah. I think the qualities of the energies are what really matter. And I mean, we've seen many, many, many examples of people throughout history who, who seem to have a nice balance of both. I think one person who comes to mind right now in my mind is the Dalai Lama. I mean, to me, he, he is a man who's not afraid to step into his masculine energy, but he also has this place of compassion. And in fact, his, his teaching, all of his teaching is about compassion, which is definitely a feminine energy. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean it's weak. Exactly. You, know? you know, it doesn't mean that one is better than the other. I think they both have their place. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. I, I would go on to say, you know, our bodies give us a really good clue because the female, the feminine energy is an energy of receiving, which is why women have the, the shape of the body that they do. The masculine energy is the energy of giving and giving and receiving are one. There is that. That's why the man penetrates the female. There is a symbiotic coming together into oneness that happens through the giving and receiving, the nurturing of the female to receive, and the this this penetrating and protective energy of the male to give. Mm -hmm. Those those energies happen. Uh, it's oneness. It's what energy is. We separate it for the experience of having uh, the masculine, feminine, female, you know, male on this planet. Because that's another thing that we have to talk about. What we are is pure energy expressing right. itself in these different forms. Why? To come together into union. So what is one appears to separate for the purpose of the experience. But that that coming together in oneness is where bliss happens, is where power happens. It's where, it, that that's the deliciousness of, of being awake and healed and aligned because who the heck needs to get anything from anybody else or you know force themselves upon anybody else if you know it is all inside of you. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, the giving and receiving aspect is an interesting perspective that I hadn't really thought about so much before. Um, I know that we have this phrase in our lexicon, it is better to give than to receive. Well, okay. clearly that's, okay. yeah, it's not true. It's not true. Uh, in fact, if I were to argue that, I would say it's probably better to receive than to give because while receiving, you are giving the gift of receiving. So you're doing both. I, but, you know, that's just a, an ego mind argument yeah, yeah. You know, to go against somebody's. But my point is they are of equal value. Exactly. They are of equal value. And one can't exist without the other. Mm -hmm. It's important for us to recognize that. And so your your idea of the receiving and the giving coming together. I mean, we never really were apart in the first place. Exactly. That's just an illusion. Yeah. The coming together part is just our experience of remembering our oneness. It's the correction in the mind of That's the right. perception of separation. Yeah, yeah. And once that correction happens in the mind, then we can experience that that sense of self. So, you know, you as a child and me as a child and everybody else watching now and later on, whenever you happen to watch this, uh, it's all happening now, are going to to have to go to the place where in childhood we accepted that misperception of separation and made somebody else have more power over us because yeah. the mind was, was set 
to hold on to a story and make it true and then spend the rest of our lives validating, see, I was a victim, which now gives me permission to be a bully. Um, and that correction is because we don't have giving and receiving uh, right. in a space of, of true compassion and forgiveness and acceptance inside of us. Right. Well, one of the challenges that I find in this world that we live in is is trying to find the balance between the spiritual and the physical. Yeah. And I, I think many times, you know, you, you will hear people speaking in spir spiritual terms about how to deal with an issue. And I think it's wonderful. At the same time, the ego mind still wants to chime in with its own ideas about, about what might be true and what might not be true. And so you have this it's almost like there's an argument going on between the spirit and the, and the, and the ego. Yeah. And I think that the, the ego, and you've probably uh, shared this with other people before, the ego tends to come from a place of fear. It's there to defend us, to protect that's, that's us. That's what I teach. Yeah, it's always looking for the danger, the risk, the, the bad thing that's going to happen. Yeah. And whereas the spirit has no sense of fear, the spirit is pure love. The spirit knows that, there is nothing to fear. There is only eternity and oneness. And so these two dichotomies exist in our dualistic experience of this physical world. Yeah. And it's sometimes difficult for us to reconcile those two ideas. Yeah. And so this is why we have a lot of argument going on in the world about what is and what isn't, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And I think, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, no, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I want to stop your flow. Keep going. Well, I was just going to say the you talked a little bit about this idea of force, and I think that's a powerful word, and I want to bring it into awareness because, um, you know, David Hawkins talks about the concept of power versus force. Yes. And in his description, the way it, it lands on me is power seems to be the consummate feminine energy, and force seems to be the dark masculine energy. Mm -hmm. So we have the gold side of the feminine and the shadow side of the masculine coming together and, and being in, in, in contrast with one another. Yeah. Now, when a masculine comes into balance, when the masculine energy comes into balance and comes out of shadow, force becomes power. Mm -hmm. And similarly, if a woman goes into shadow or a feminine energy goes into shadow, that power becomes force. Yeah. So there's the two pieces that are working together. You've got the masculine and the feminine and shadow and light happening yeah. simultaneously. Yeah. And, and that is the, the thing that we have to understand. And you, you said so many beautiful things. So let me add my two cents into how I teach this because it is it has helped me tremendously. But the, the clarity that I have about this comes from my study of The Course in Miracles, which right. is why it's the principal teachings that I use because it lays this out so perfectly. So so there is only light. There is no source of darkness. Darkness, you cannot turn on the dark switch to make your house dark at night. It just, the light goes away. And it doesn't go away because it disappears. It goes away because we turn our back to it. The planet turns its back to the sun when we are in the dark. But when we are facing the light, that, that's all that there is. So when we acknowledge this power of light, our denial of that light 
is what creates our shadow, what creates our darkness, what creates the ego. It is nothing more than, than the denial that you accepted. When mom says she knew you better, you denied that you knew yourself better. You just in that moment abdicated your power because you are you're a little kid who has been conditioned to believe mommy knows better. Right. And through the force of the spankings or the withholding of the love or the withholding of the cookie, you abdicated your power for self-protection. So the ego gets definitely very, very well cultivated. We all go through that process. Nobody escapes that in the in the planet of illusions, in the planet of, of duality, in the planet where we come to hide, as the ego says, we come to hide our light behind, you know, the 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 uh, the tree, if you want to call it, of good and evil, the tree of knowledge. So we are like a little kid playing hide and seek. We hide behind the tree and we're back there for so long that we forget that we're hiding. And then it gets dark. Nighttime comes along and you are to in total darkness. Mm -hmm. But this, this understanding of ego and darkness as being a misperception in our own mind of who we all are, but not just me, you, everybody else. Mm -hmm. It is the acknowledgement that my mind can turn its back on truth. And that acknowledgement that my mind can turn back on truth is the shadow. I just turn my back on the light. Doesn't make me a bad person. Doesn't make any anybody evil. It just makes us, as the Course says, insane. <laughs> because why would you want to turn your back to the light? You'll see more clearly with the light. In the darkness, you know, we're blindfolded. We're attempting to make it through not seeing. And that is what we're waking up to. We have these, these potentials inside of us. And if we are not operating with light, we can't see clearly. And guess what? In the darkness, everything feels threatening because you can't see it. So of course, you're going to want to protect yourself like a little kid who has a monster under the bed until you turn the lights on. But the only way to turn the light on for a little kid in, in, in a dark room when they're scared is by a loving presence. So we have to learn to lovingly enter into our shadows, enter into our mind, enter into our stories to begin to restore that nurturing feminine uh, presence that because that's what's going to have the power to heal. If we go at our at our head with, you know, what was wrong with you to believe that? What was wrong with you, you know, to give your power? What was wrong with you to leave your family? What was wrong with you to say that? That kind of force makes us more defensive and more protective and gives us permission to attack because now it creates a power outside of us instead of us recognizing, no, it's in here. So share, share so we kind of have set the stage in a very simplistic, but I think very accurate way about masculine feminine energy. Talk about how it affected you in your life because I, I like to share how it affected me and my relationships being so off balance? Well, <clears throat> I certainly um, adopted the traditional view of masculine energy back when I was probably in my teens, you know, where the man was supposed to be the one who, who got the job, took care of the family, provided the income and all this kind of stuff. And I mean, I was still brought up in a time when 
women were still considered to be the, ho the housewives, the people who stayed at home, took care of the kids and all that kind of stuff. And uh, that's what I was brought up with. I kind of bought into it for a while. And it wasn't until probably, I don't know, I guess, when did, when did women's lib really start? In the 80s, I think, or late 70s, early 80s, 80s that time frame? Okay, yeah. I don't remember exactly, but I remember when it started happening, I, I, I was feeling threatened. I thought, oh, my God, my identity as a man is going to be destroyed because of this. Uh, and so I started becoming defensive. And, you know, I was probably already quite defensive anyway, but that just added to it. And it just made my relationships, you know, much more uh, confrontational. Yes. Shall we say. Um my my wife at the time was she was quite happy to to, to be mostly a stay-at-home mom but she also wanted to work so we had to find ways to make that happen and you know we did it, it it worked out for the most part but i still noticed that i really wasn't all that happy about it <laughs> you know of course i mean i wasn't happy about very much in my life no you gave that up when you were three that's right so, so we didn't know how to be happy mama didn't yeah, i didn't that. really see how the masculine feminine were were, were playing out at that yeah. time yeah. but i can see now that because i had given up my sovereignty i had essentially given up the truth of who i am i had given up my power and uh, you talked about blame earlier as i started waking up a big part of my process was to to blame my mother yeah. I, you know, I had to put this outside of myself for a while so I could start doing my own growth. That's normal for everybody, by the way. Yeah. And when I did that, um, then I was able to eventually get to my own truth. And soon enough, I started to just see my mother as another person who was just doing the best she could with what she had. And in real, in the real truth is that she was doing everything she could to try and protect me and to keep me safe yeah, and to yeah. do what was what she thought was right for me. And the only so way I have been, now. Yeah. So I have been able to get to that place of forgiving her with you know unconditional love. And at the same time, recognizing that I have been a kind of a macho man kind of dude for years. Yeah. And it's time to start balancing that off. The macho man image just doesn't work. No, it doesn't. In fact, the macho man image, I think, is the kind of energy that is causing most of the problems in our world today. Yeah. And let me give you my perspective from a woman who received that macho man energy and, and how destructive it was for our relationship. So let me set the stage with, um, you know, I already mentioned my dad left and I kind of became a bit of an aggressive, you know, masculine energy. So my, my, um, when I married the father of my children, he was extremely gentle man, very docile, very much in, in a lot of feminine energy. And so for me, that was perfect because it activated this no man's going to fuck with me attitude. You know, <laughs> so I, I had the perfect man that I could then take control because that was satisfying the part of me that was afraid that I would be abandoned. So I needed to control you and let you know how wonderful I was. So manipulative. I am so good and so sweet, which was true. Those things were there, but they were tainted with this, this, um, this passive aggressive manipulation at times and very aggressive, oh, very aggressive manipulation at other times. 
that didn't allow him to really be all, all that he might have wanted to be, in part because he also, like you, had given up his power and and with mom too, you know, and, and with dad, but a lot of it happened with mom. And he felt comfortable in that take care of me place. And I felt comfortable in the being the the caretaker and the the assertive one. So when when I we we eventually divorced after I had been five, six years on my spiritual journey and I began to realize, wow, I spend the bulk of my life protecting myself from him leaving me. That actually kept him from ever arriving. And he was too afraid to try on his masculine side because he had never had that. Dad traveled and was gone uh, the bulk of his of his time at home. And so he had mom as a role model of how how people are. So and his siblings were older and they had already left the house. So he had an, a model of, you know, you're you're just a woman. This is how you how you behave. So anyhow. We played those roles perfectly, but I was balancing my masculine and feminine. I knew I didn't want to be the aggressive man anymore. But let me tell you how that over-aggressive, dominant, macho man energy showed up in my life is I then fell in love. And I've told you about this with Ken. This man shows up into my life. And for the first time in any relationship, I felt so cherished. It was like the the Disney indoctrination came true. My knight in shining armor showed up and this man swept me off my feet. I had never felt viewed, treated, and cherished as a woman as I had with Ken. So here I am in all my feminine glory, totally okay with letting him be the masculine guy, but he had that that aggressive uh, macho side that he had not dealt with. And as his, as he began to feel threatened that I was going to cheat on him, which didn't happen because I happened to be so feminine and I happened to be so outgoing and I hugged and kissed anybody and everybody. I didn't discriminate. You know, I'm finding my balance. Male feminine didn't matter. Even my children, he began to be jealous Mm -hmm. that his woman could possibly be taken from him. And what began to show was this aggressive macho man that began to want to tighten the screws and control me. Mm -hmm. You know, who you're going to talk to, who you're going to be hugging, what you're going to be doing. And then, of course, the control um, just, just became overpowering. And I had to sit with doing the work of, oh, my gosh, wow. So that's what I did to other people when I was in that over. Uh, aggressive masculine energy because I did that not just with with my former husband I did it with my children with my friends at work and I realized the importance of balancing because Ken had not embraced his feminine he thought he had to because he was conditioned the world conditioned him his dad was military macho man so been there done that yeah so sweet man was off balance he presented the mask that I needed to let my feminine out because mm-hmm. you know Philip presented the mask that I needed he was more feminine so I could I could activate my masculine but it wasn't until t- uh, when my relationship with Ken was coming to its completion this is 5 6 hell I don't remember how many years ago we got divorced in 2014 
Um, a couple of years before that, so six, seven, eight years, I began to realize it peace is in the balance. Mm-hmm. Bliss is in the balance. And I would not ever be in a relationship with a man who's not spiritually, emotionally mature. Because when we're off balance, we seek, we seek to fill ourselves up by forcing ourselves upon others or giving our power away and forcing another through manipulation to then, you know, fill us up or feel bad for us. And, you know, th- those codependent relationships you know, jump in. So um, I wanted to let you know how that showed up for me. And so how, how in your being balanced are you seeing your life change for you? Because it changed drastically for me. Well, before I go there, I want to, I just want to reflect on some of what I heard. I, I, first of all, a very amazing journey and uh, unique to you, I know, in many ways, but also very similar to the kinds of journeys that many other people have taken. Archetypal. I, I find it fascinating when I, when I think about this. And it, it occurs to me that in ways we are creating our own journey. Mm-hmm. from some higher purpose that we don't necessarily understand at the time that it's happening. And that's part of the spiritual growth piece that yeah. you've been talking about. Um, when I look at my life and I realize how important knowing who I am, knowing each of us, knowing who we are, how important that is, it could not have happened if I hadn't had that experience starting at three years old. Exactly. You know, and I couldn't have understood this this balance of masculine and feminine energy without having gone through many relationships that that all helped me to learn something more about myself yeah at the time i may not have seen that and i think the same is what you're talking about here you went through a, a number of different relationships that were maybe in your own mind or at the time they were happening seemed opposite to one another. They seem to have the opposite energy showing up. And yet that happened to help you become more aware of, of what's going on. Exactly. In hindsight, in hindsight, those things happen. Right. And that's the problem. And isn't it interesting that hindsight is happening more and more in the year 2020. The year for clear vision. Exactly. We're going to see by George, this is the year to take the blinders off. That's right. Um, so you're asking me about how, how it's, how it's showing up in my life. Um, I just find now that I appreciate people of all types. Um, I'm not, I'm quite happy being single now. You know, I have, I, I got my second divorce in 2006 and I have simply chosen not to re-engage in that kind of a relationship. Although to be honest, I would love to be in a highly spiritual relationship with somebody who can help me to continue on my path of spiritual growth. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't have the same expectations of a relationship that I used to have, yeah. you know, where the other person is going to in any way um, complete me or yeah. fulfill all my needs or any of that stuff, you know? So, you know, I think that has come as a result of just understanding that relationships are not what we originally thought they were back in the day. Well, I mean, I- Th- yeah. That as I was a con- we were conditioned to believe that relationships were that way because it was a narrative that that we we were taught. You know, it's a Disney movie. 
Right. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm glad that you broke out of that conditioning. So did I, because I certainly don't need anybody to complete me. But like right. you, I want to share my light. I have so much to give. The giving and receiving is, right. is the longing to where two or more gather, there is that love that is unique in, in, a, in a healthy uh, relationship of equals. Right. And, and, I, and I think ultimately, um, I think that's what we all want on some level. We may not know it. We may be still struggling in our journey right now, trying to find the right path for ourselves or whatever. Um, and I think especially people who are still in their, you know, their 20s or 30s or something, they're still doing the things that we used to do when we were in our 20s and 30s. Some of them are growing up more quickly. Some of them are becoming awake very, very quickly now. And I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. But there's still a lot of people who are struggling. And what I see is here's an opportunity for us now that we're facing this coronavirus pandemic that's hitting everybody in, in ways that we couldn't possibly have imagined, yeah. God, even three months ago, you know. But here we are facing something that we've never had to face before, and it's putting us back in touch yeah. with the truth of who we are. Exactly. So this is something that's been forced on us, uh, it, so it appears. But what if coronavirus is no different than my husband, Philip, and my husband, Ken, putting up a mirror to help me see who I am? Because that, to me, yeah. is how I look at all of it. Coronavirus right. is a mirror of how I'm showing up. Sure. That's all it does. It, everything magnifies who I am showing up as. Right. So when we, when I look at it from that perspective, this is where the giving and receiving are one. Corona, what are you here to give me? Because I'm willing to receive it. Um, to to it, it just allows for the the uh, acknowledgement that there is a higher power. There's an intelligence, and it's not higher because it's above us. It's higher because. It thinks from a from a clearer perspective, from the top of the mountain perspective, where the rest of us are seeing from the valley, you know, poor me bumping up into each other perspective. So that that perception, we can tap into that one. It's like being in a submarine, you know, what do you call that thing? Periscope, shoot it up and you can see out there. Well, that right. to me is what God is. Shoot the damn thing up and let's look more clearly and get out of our own head um, and receive that knowingness that wants to help us navigate this experience. And if we don't navigate it consciously with that connection, we're going to have the mothers and the fathers who, who do what they do so that we lose ourselves and the boyfriends and the girlfriends and the husbands and the wives who help us find ourselves and the bosses and the friends. We can do it the hard way bumping into each other, or we can do it the easier way. God, what do you have me what do you have me know now? What what is it that I need to learn? What is this irritation and invitation to? Yeah. Um, anyways, I get super excited about this kind of conversation because no, I would never have guessed. <laughs> I want people to learn how to shift and lift from their their lower uh, way of perceiving things and lift into that higher ability to right. assess. And oh my gosh, it's so amazing! So. I'm sorry. Go back. Go back to how you're, you're showing. Why are you apologizing? You, you have no need to apologize. I love organic conversations because yeah. you just never know exactly where they're going to go, but they always reveal something beautiful. And, and, and you're talking about this, you know, you're, you're, you're the whole thing about looking at 
what's in front of us in our lives and saying, what are you here to give me? What is it that life is trying to tell me? You know, at the same time, I can also ask the question, all right, how did I invite you in and for what purpose? That some people don't want to do that. They want to say, well, I, it's not my fault. It just happened. Oh, yeah. Yeah. OK. It happened. And in some way you brought it in, you know, because whatever you're perceiving out there, whatever you are seeing is your perception. And if you choose to continue to see it that way, you may still project it outward as something that's happening outside of yourself. And then, therefore, you have no control over it. As long as you continue to believe that, it will be true for you. But the moment you can say, hmm, this is my perception. What is really happening here? And what, what is it about me that brought it into being? When you can start doing that, now you can start taking responsibility for the choices that you are making and have made that help to bring this into being. And you can decide whether you want to continue making those choices or if you want to choose something new. And you, you mentioned this about the higher power kind of idea. And I think I, I, I like to think of it as elevating consciousness. And I spell elevation is E-L-O-V-E-A-T-I-O-N, elevation. So elevating consciousness, which means we cannot solve any problem in the world that exists right now with the energy and the level of consciousness that was used to create it. If we wish to truly bring healing to the world, we've got to elevate our consciousness to a higher level. And so that's what I think of as the higher power. I and, totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I like to use the analogy of grades in school. When I was a child, I, you know, I had kindergarten uh, consciousness, awareness of, of how the world worked. Then I got into, you know, my middle school, uh, high school relationships. I was probably in second grade of, of uh, consciousness and second grade of maturity and awareness. Then I moved on to, you know, marriages and things like that. I was probably in fourth or fifth grade of, of maturity. Um, then this journey propelled me into, you know, an abrupt middle school training where I had to look at my child, my childish ways. Um, and now, you know, in that high school or, or maybe graduate school level of perception, to me, that's what the higher is. So it's, how much more of what is really going on do you understand? And God's source spirit, the all-knowing source that is the energy that holds everything, knows everything because it's it, it, it is everything. How much of that am I willing to receive versus being right about what little bit I know it is true? So those grades in school is to me what the higher comes like. So it's an expansion because it's so it's multidimensional. It's a, it's an expansion. It's a an allowing for the unknown to inform me more than me trying to beat myself, you know, crazy and beat other people up with what little bit I know because none of us knows more than a dot. And yeah, that's actually a really really good point. I think. Ultimately, I do believe that there is 
you know, a supreme truth, a, a global absolute truth. Uh, but it is of the type that is so big and so all encompassing that no mere mortal using the power of this little device in our head is smart enough to be able to see that entire uh, absolute truth. So I can't claim to know absolute truth. The best thing I can do is claim to have seen some aspects of as absolute truth. Wow. And you will have done the same thing. And the two aspects of absolute truth that we've seen may look very similar, but they may also look very different. But the one thing that they do have in common is they feel the same way. So I like to say that I don't know everything, but I have access to that which does know everything. Sure. So I give myself permission to to not know anything now. Or before I used to be all knowing and you know righteous about it, but now <laughs> I am so comfortable. I know what I need to know when I need to know it because I shoot up that periscope and I say, okay, what is it that I need to know in this moment? And right. you have done that enough times. I've done it. Rumi did it. Jesus did it. Buddha did it. The Dalai Lama does it. Mother Teresa has done it. Everybody that has written a book about consciousness, about connecting with God's or spirit, there's one common word and it is love. But it is a love that transcends the love that we've been taught in the world because every, every loving relationship we have had has conditions as part of it. Right. But when you move to this unconditional love where you don't have to do anything to receive it. I had an experience this morning. I, I was in tears, so moved. Um, and I was just feeling that embrace of God's or spirit, whatever you want to call it. I felt so embraced and so I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to do anything to receive the feeling of that. And when we can connect with what does that feel like, we can't give it to anybody else because it's a feeling, but we can point the way to receive it, to have it, to align with it, which is to say, go inside of yourself and find your sovereignty. Right. Stop looking outside of yourself. And yeah. in that, in that, space when we finally give up the resistance to accepting our magnificence, our innocence, our goodness, our wholeness, all you're going to meet is the most loving, gentle, peaceful presence that ever was. And you know what's so amazing? You go in there, and I know you felt this, and every teacher that I really, I value now, I value Every teacher's work because they each teach to a certain grade in school. But the ones who have felt God, source, whatever, felt their truth, you can feel in what they write and what they say that that presence now embodies them. It, it, it just, like, like St. Francis said, God, make me an instrument of your peace. You can become that. And you know what? That's the giving and receiving that happened. I give myself to God and God received me. Now my will and the will of the creators can come into alignment. And you know, you and I know this. You and I help people because we come to them in, in that kind of unconditional love. I don't need anybody to be fixed or to change or to accept anything that I say for me to willingly share what I know. Right. Take it or leave it. It doesn't matter. Right. And that level of giving, Course in Miracles says, when you give that kind of love, 
you receive the movement of that energy inside of you. And when you feel the movement of truth using you, because that's what it feels like to me. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness, that, that's our sovereignty. Yeah. Then we don't let anything outside of us ever tell us that we're not what we are as God created us. Right. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. And well, what I have uh, learned as a result of my work, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not this body. I'm not my mind. I'm not my thoughts. I'm not my name, David McLeod. I'm not my degrees. You know, I'm not the job description. I'm not any of those things. And it took me a while to kind of get come to grips with that because I remember I used to play this game and I call it the, the uh, uh, repeated question game, which I talk about in my book. But it, the idea was to sit with a partner and the partner would ask, who are you? And I would just simply answer with whatever seems to be true in the moment. And then the partner would say, thank you. Who are you? And this, this went on for like five, 10 minutes. It seemed like an eternity. And every time I did that, I played that game multiple times and I've taught it now multiple times, but I would learn something new about myself that I hadn't even thought about before. I would say things that thought, oh my God, where did that come from? <laughs> but in the ultimate final answer, when I strip away all those things that really are just temporary descriptions of experiences, yeah. What I come down to is I am a divine, magnificent, unlimited spiritual being of light and love. Mm -hmm. And I happen to be sharing a universal human experience with a lot of other people. Yeah. That's how I see myself now. And, and some people think that that might sound, you know, um, narcissistic or grandiose or, and, you know, frankly, Okay, if that's how it lands on you, yeah. I'm sorry, but that's my truth. Yeah, yeah. and, and it, it's my truth too. I mean, I just described it in my words and you're sharing it in your words, but it's, it's exactly what, what the, we come to when we strip away what we're not, what we got conditioned, what we picked yeah. up. We return to this holy innocence that is oh that was a church i used to go to <laughs> holy innocence holy innocence cathedral holy cow um anyways so we return to that pure holy innocence inside where we become like a little child and enter the kingdom of heaven that's within you know that's right. why all these teachings tell us we got to become like a little child you got to go back to being who were you before you you heard that at three years old who was i before i heard what I heard when, when I was a little girl, um, who was that innocent one that was playing and joyful and not concerned with labels and, and what's my religion and defending that and telling people that they were wrong because of what I knew. In that space, then we realize everybody's the same. Right, we're all one. We're all one. So with, with the last four minutes that we have of our conversation, how, how do we solve the world's problems now that we know the truth of who we are? Wow. <laughs> well, first of all. The um, opportunity, the world's opportunity. Yeah, yeah. I, I, think, um, I think we have to change our perspective, to be honest, yeah. and to understand 
there are still people out there, plenty of them, who haven't reached the level of awareness that you and I have. Mm-hmm. And they are still on their journey. Doing and, and for them, it's a beautiful journey and they will get where they need to get. It's all part of, I believe, this whole thing is all about, my name for God is Omnitude. It's all about Omnitude looking for ways to fully experience itself as all that is. It's one thing to know yourself as all that is. It's another thing to experience it. And that's what I think is going on here. All these different things that we see in our world are just opportunities for Omnitude to experience another aspect of itself so that it can recognize and experience all that is. That's the, that's what I think is going on. Now that sounds grandiose again and esoteric and maybe a little bit off the wall. What can we do from our own little space here as human beings? If you if you still are in the, in the mindset that um, you have to do something, what can you do? Well, the first thing I will ask everyone to do is to come into your heart. You may decide to take some kind of action that might cause harm to somebody. And I ask you, really, come from your heart and, and, and just simply honor the truth of who you really are and say, is that going to solve this problem? Come from that place of love. If you can bring yourself into love, you will almost always find a solution because the problem was generated at a lower level of consciousness. Yeah. That's what I believe. I, I totally believe that. And uh, that's where coming into uh, aligning my will with God's will, God, what would you have me do? And I call it Jesus. God is the source of the energy of love. That's what it told me to call it, that acronym. When I come into my conversations with Jesus, it is always very, very clear. Some things may cause perceived harm to others because like you said, and from their level of consciousness, if they feel that what I did took something from them, they're going to feel diminished. They're going to feel angry. They're going to feel wrong. It's, it's, but I learned my greatest lessons when I felt somebody took something that I held valuable whether it was the loss of the marriage, the loss of you know children leaving home, the loss of, of a business, the loss of money, the loss, whatever it might be. Those, those perceived losses opened me up to realize that there were perceptions in my mind. I gave value to those things. And once I valued them more than my own inner peace, when they left, I felt like it hurt me. Um, but they just revealed my attachments to me. So the Course in Miracles says so clearly, you may be guided to do things. Your work is to recognize that everybody is being guided too. So it's not our job to determine who can handle it and who's going to get hurt and not right. hurt. It is our job to see everybody as having a powerful sovereign being inside of them that will assist them through what's happening. Because when we free ourselves of codependency, we literally open the door for others to to fly out of the cage if they're ready to or not, because we're never in that cage by ourselves. But the first one that flies out leaves the cage open. Nobody Mm -hmm. else has to leave. But that's what what is happening right now. Mm -hmm. So many things that we were caged with government telling us what to do, doctors telling us how to heal our bodies, 
you know, the media telling us what, what to believe or not to believe, the, the whatever it might be out there telling us what we should or shouldn't do. We've been in, in the cage with those things. Right but now we're freeing our minds and we're walking out of that cage saying, you know what? And this is what I tell this coronavirus. Um, thank you for helping me see that I had been conditioned to believe that some medical doctor knows more for me than God knows for me. I don't think so. When I sit still and I listen to my body, I know what I need to eat. I know what I need to take. I know what, what, and all, all the inspiration that I always receive for me always has to do with something natural, always has to do with something organic, something of the earth, something God created. I've never been told to do something synthetic except for the level of consciousness that I had at the time. And what are, what are you discovering um, well, as I, I it pertains to this world in terms of what you know? Well, first, I want to go back to what you said about opening the cage. <laughs> yes. You know, or, or it's kind of like the, you know, the bird that needs to learn how to fly. You know, it, it's not going to learn how to fly if it stays safe in its comfort zone of its nest. Totally. It has to it has to be kicked out of the nest. And sometimes a parent will do that. Yeah. Mama bird does that. Yep. We'll kick that bird out of the nest and say, go fly you child. You, it's time for you to be on you your got wings, damn it. Right. And we have to do the same thing. Yeah. We have been stuck in the cage long enough. Yeah. Let us open our own eyes, open our own hearts, fill ourselves with love understand that the truth comes from within and then go forth from that place of power yeah. and not force. Yeah. yeah. What a way, what a beautiful way for you to tie it up. All right. So we got to wrap it up. Tell people where can they go to connect with you to, uh, and because this is also going to be a podcast, um, make sure you spell out wherever you're going to direct people to go connect with you website or however. Sure, sure. Well, you know, I, I do a lot of personal growth presentations on my program called Life Mastery TV. And that, uh, Lina, you've been on that show. I've been on there, yep. And I'm hoping to get you on again. Yeah. But Life Mastery TV is about um, inspiration, empowerment, and fulfillment. And it's a, it's a wonderful show. I do it twice a month. There's, uh, you can go and watch episodes at my website, lifemasterytv.com. That's life hyphen mastery hyphen tv.com and you know sign up for a free account and then just watch all the episodes i think you'll you'll really like them um so life hyphen mastery hyphen tv.com i'm going to put it on here so people can see that um yes so there you go go there so you can go to his website connect with david of course, here, if you're a friend, um, if you're watching this on Facebook, then you can become a friend of his through Facebook. Mm -hmm. And and as always, it is such a pleasure. We, we're going to have to do a, another segment because the conversations with you are always so rich and they always leave me thirsting for more more time in your presence and your wisdom. And and your you know, your 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 energy is so delicious. I remember when I first met you that um, I, I could tell that you you were somebody who was so as committed to your journey as I was, somebody who wanted to live inside of that sovereign knowingness that not only are you magnificent, but so is everybody else. 
Yeah. Um, well, thank you for that. I appreciate your saying totally, that. Totally, totally. Our, our desire to, to be examples that others can follow if they choose to. Um, so with that, I'm going to share that next week, I've got a wonderful um, uh, guest coming, Dr. Jill Kahn, and she is just such a wealth of information. She has helped her husband heal from um, a, a terminal uh, diagnosis. And she went inside, listened to divine guidance, and together the two of them created a healing protocol that doctors couldn't prescribe because they were not connected to their own divine guidance. They connected to that. And she's going to share that. And then the, the program that she created that does work internationally and in helping so many people. So next week on Align with Lina, please join me to, to listen to Dr. Jill Kahn. Um, and David, thank you so much for being here. Thanks. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. And for anybody watching this, go to LinaOrlando.com and, and download my my free master um, class, which is called A Soul's Journey. And you will see what David and I just talked about. It, it's it's six phases that we go through. This is what was given to me to share. Six phases we go through from conception to enlightenment, how we lose ourselves in childhood and what we have to do to reclaim ourselves when we become adult enough to, to consciously face what happened without blame and reclaim our sovereignty so that we can move into the wisdom phase that allows us to, to be in the world, but not of it, so that we can actually be able to be examples. Um, so I'm so glad, Vilma, Diane, Angie, Christine, you guys shared such beautiful messages. Thank you for being here with us and many others. Um, so grateful that you joined us and we'll see you next Monday for another episode of Align With Line. And remember, you are magnificent. You absolutely are, whether you own it or not, doesn't matter, you are it. All right, see you all later, bye-bye. Thank you, David. Bye-bye.